Hey everybody, you're listening to the We Are Rising podcast. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin. Unfortunately, my co-host from Focus Fights, Jay Christian Gary, is uh, feeling uh, very sick, uh, so we hope he gets better. Uh, but with us today, we have Zachary Shiloh, who will be talking to us about the Bloodsport 3 card that just happened this past weekend on the Collective Wrestle semi-WrestleMania, not WrestleMania weekend in Indianapolis, Indiana. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, things are good. Things are good, my friend. Uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, things are, you know, looking up, you know. Hopefully, you know, soon all this craziness will be over. And then, you know, hopefully things just get back sooner rather than later. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yes, we're going to be talking about the Bloodsport 3 card. I guess you could call it GCW's Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 3 card is a full title, um, which, uh, was available on Fight.tv and, uh, went up live, uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana this past Sunday. Um, it was the last show on the Blood on the whole collective, uh, package, uh, that GCW, uh, put up. And, uh, well, Zach, let me get your thoughts. What do you think of the show overall? Oh, it was very anticipated. I actually waited over a week to watch it because of uh, changing schedules. And I went over my circuit dad's house. I knew I had to watch it eventually. So I said to him, okay. You want to watch some pro wrestling with me, but you want something that's a little bit more uh, authentic, a little bit more of a sport, something more edge to it. All right. So I downloaded Fight TV to my actual phone. Somehow, some way, was able to connect to his TV, and then we watched Blood Sport. The overall event actually had us both smiling. He loved it more so because of the uh, after matchup uh, non-shenanigans, if you want to use that. Mm -hmm. uh, me, I loved the overall action. And I always said this for almost like the past two three years to anybody that's uh, listening out there, that Bloodsport was always the actual show of the year for me. There was no storylines, there was no drama, there was no bullshit in the middle. It was just straight up fights. And if uh, somebody had to speak, then it's like at the end or very beginning. It is straight up action. And that's what uh, GCW does very, very well, especially with blood sport. I would say... Please, if you have not watched this thing, give it a try. I loved it from start to finish. Mm -hmm. uh, compared to the other Josh Barnett Bloodsport shows, where so obviously this is a third Josh Barnett uh, show. I think the uh, second, well, second the Bloodsport. Well, how many did Maverick do two or one Bloodsport show? All right, so Blood Sports, in my memory, started in 2018. I will, no. Wait, wait. 
I believe it started in 2018, but thank God for me. Okay. Something's telling me I'm right. I feel like you're right. I think it was 2018. Because, yeah, at the, at the WrestleMania... Well, I was right. 2018. Uh, so we kicked off with Matt Riddle, and then for some odd reason, he faded off the planet. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, then Josh Barnett came around circa 2019, and I believe this is the third under his name, so it's been four of these events overall. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, where do you think this ranks among all the Bloodsport shows, um, this one specifically? Than 
because you not only had UFC legends and Suzuki on that card, but you had a big Japan talent on that one who have been known to just be brawlers. And you had some very underrated guys uh, show up. But this one, I would say maybe is number three. And the previous was number four. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So original, the first Josh Barnett blood sport followed by this one. And the one from last year in a fall. So on any given day, it, it could probably change up. But for mm-hmm. now, that's my order. Gotcha, gotcha. Because, um, uh, you know, I, I was perusing through the social medias, and it seemed like a lot of people enjoy this show. I did know note that it seemed like, I guess, not pro wrestling purists, or even uh, I guess I guess maybe shoot fighting purists. Um, I know our friend at gentle uh, at gentleman's combat um, uh, is very much uh, a, a he's an old school UWFI Pancras uh, shoot fighting fan. He likes he likes it when shoot fighting is done correctly. And I know that there was I this criticism I saw from him and a few others that this it seemed to be this seemed to be less of a classic shoot fighting show and more pro wrestlery than I guess some of the other shows seem to be. Um, and I get, I feel like maybe that the reason why is because you had a lot more just people that were trained that trained as pro wrestlers on this show. You know, we on the other shows we got people like Frank Mir, Dan Severin, um, Minoru Suzuki. Um, and others who are trained, uh, who, who have been training UWFI, uh, or know that, what that style brings. And with, with this show, it was basically about 90% pro wrestlers, uh, with, you know, the exception of people like Matt Mikowski, Tom Waller, um, but, and, man, the rest were, were ba- are basically, were just pro wrestlers who, I guess, who had some aspects of shoot fighting, whether it be martial arts, jiu-jitsu, something like that, and I feel like this definitely had the feeling of, like, of a pro, and pro wrestlers, and this is the criticism I had with the first show, Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, where it seemed more pro wrestlers trying to do the, uh, that shoot fighting style. Now, I actually think that they did it much, a lot of them did it much better in this show than the last show, uh, the, the first show, I mean. So, uh, I definitely do feel like this, out of all the Josh Barnett shows, the three Josh Barnett shows, I felt like so far, this was the weakest in terms of quality shoot fighting matches. I don't know if no, you can... uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't hear Um, but I'm not going to say it was a bad show, you know, I, there was a lot of, a lot of great stuff on this show, and, uh, we're going to start going through it match... By Mass right now, and uh, we had Lenny Letter. I think it was Lenny Letter on commentary, um, and the announcer. I 
do you know who the announcer was? I've never seen him before. And, um, is he a new announcer? Because usually, it doesn't Larry Dallas do, uh, not, not Larry Dallas, so, um, Larry... Larry Lewis? Sorry, what was the name Legend. again? Larry Legend, yeah. Larry, Larry Legend. Does he, he usually does the announcing, I thought, for GCW shows, but i never seen this guy before. And I, I didn't catch his name, unfortunately, but he was pretty good, the, um, the ring announcer. Yeah, I noticed him too, but I think he's done nine Bloodsport shows for GCW. Not all the same shows have the same uh, announcers. So one week it can be a, a Larry Legend, another week it can be a, a okay. Uh, I'm just throwing names out, like a Howard Finkel, and then another week it can be. Whomever. Yeah. Gotcha. So, I don't know if uh, Larry Legend was available. My guess is that maybe he wasn't. Hmm. And they were just going with somebody they trust. Sorry, uh, what was that, Zach? Uh, uh, with just... I think they actually went to somebody that uh, they trust. Because oh, they, they trust. Uh, okay. Legend oh. wasn't available. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, okay, I see, I see. Um, and, uh, well, you know, as with all, all the Bloodsport shows, um, I think at least with the Josh Barnett shows, I don't I don't think it did this with the Matt Riddle show. They had all the uh, wrestlers come out uh, and do introduction and, and get introduced like they uh, do in Pride Rising. I really like that. That's really cool. I think and Josh Barnett himself came out to introduce uh, uh, the show. Uh, and uh, the yeah the reason why he won't be he didn't fight in this show is because uh, he'll be doing some bare knuckle. I believe I think it's this weekend. Uh, bare knuckle for KSW. Uh, so good luck with that. Uh, in his uh... sorry sorry Zach go ahead. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the first match we had was Simon Grimm getting his first win in Bloodsport, defeating Matt Mikowski by knockout but with a half-and-half -half suplex. And pretty good match overall. Um, you know, it, I think it was a good opener match uh, that kind of set the, set the tone uh, for, for what you should expect of a Bloodsport match. Didn't last that long, but you know that's the thing is that I, I like the fact that uh that that Bloodsport matches don't for the most part overstay their welcome. Um, I don't I don't know if you give star ratings out for matches, but if you're curious to know, I gave it two and a half uh two and a two and a three quarters out of five. Um, thought it was a good opener. Um, it did its, it did its soul it did its purpose. What do you think of the match, Zach? Oh, I thought it was a great opener. My second dad, he's kind of a WWE buff, and he mm. actually likes uh, seeing people outside of WWE trying to do good. And Simon Grimm, I had said, oh, he's from NXT. He was in WWE. And he's like, oh, really? I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, but Grimm, he actually shocked me because I am more used to him not having facial hair at all. Yes. Oh, yes. He had the, he, um, yeah, he, uh, he looked. The longest. 
Yeah, he he yeah. he he did not look uh, like the Simon Grimm that we normally uh, think of. You know, you know, I'm using him with the mustache and the goatee, and uh, did not have it for this for this time. Hmm. I wonder. I'm not so sure why. That's interesting. I wonder if he, something's going on with MLW. Maybe um, it's coming out back with a new look or something. Oh man, the last time he looked like that, I think, was like last year at Bloodsport. I really was thrown off. And then I remember him uh, being in MLW but the Contra Unit I believe the group is called the Contra Unit. Yes, yes, yes. And he actually showed up still completely shaved. I said, excuse me. Alright, so let's get to that actual match and how it ended. When he hit that German suplex on uh, Mikowski, I kind of cringed. And before I knew it, ding, 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 the rock actually rung the bell. I said, oh, wow, okay. Is this kind of going to be a uh, tease to a match that's coming later on? And I thought there was a kind of tease of something that was going to be a major finish later on. But overall match, I would say, is one of, I would say, maybe a good or strong opening. Very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I think that, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's funny because Matt Mikowski has so far been uh, the, uh, He's been the opener for the two Bloodsport matches that he has been a part of, and I think uh, I think we he know he's a good opening uh, match guy to have. Um, I'm not saying that's I'm not 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 saying he can't be an event, but I, I think he's the right guy who can who knows the Bloodsport style and can set the tone properly for what uh, for what a Bloodsport show is. So that's why he's a great guy to have in the main event because it basically. It'll, it, it tells you, oh, this is what you get. This is what you should expect. Right. Now, the second match was the first. It was the semifinals of the women's tournament, the first tournament ever in Bloodsport history, uh, and it had Allison K, also known as Sienna, or maybe formerly known as Sienna, I should say, defeating Killer Kelly by submission, and the submission she used was a figure four Kelly's head. Um, I don't know what if there's a name for it, but it was basically a uh, kind of like a figure four, like I guess or a triangle choke, reverse triangle choke to uh Kelly's head. Now I, I was very much our, our buddy Gentleman's Combat uh, was very critical of this match, and I was very basically very much in agreement with him. Uh, I thought this was a I I thought this was the weakest match on the entire show. I. And I also did not... I wasn't a big fan of Allison Kay's match that she had with Nicole Savoy. Uh, oh, I thought that was the weakest match on that card as well. I just feel like... I think the problem with Allison Kay is... She does not... I think she... I know she's had, a, she's had an MMA fight or two maybe in her career. But I think the problem is that she is so ingrained in the specific style of pro wrestling... That it, ca- it carries on to matches like these where I feel like you can't really bring like that pro wrestling rhythm to a match 
because it just doesn't feel right. It just it doesn't feel like it belongs. Um, I'm also going to say that I think that if you are in a Bloodsport type match, I think you got to wear different gear. I know she wears her the regular gear that she does in her pro wrestling matches in this match, and she puts on you know she does she has uh, her uh, makeup or and get up and uh, does things over here. I feel like. I feel like what she should. I think it's gotta be more grounded. You gotta have something that says that this is different than your indie pro wrestling match, your Impact wrestling match, your WWE or AEW. This is. It's gotta. And I'm surprised that blood, that Josh Barnett doesn't seem to clamp down down on it more. I feel like you gotta have people look like they are not pro wrestlers. Does that make sense, Zach? Yeah, I can kind of see that. Like, actually show that you are a martial artist or a street fighter. Don't show up for, like, a traditional pro wrestling match. I'm kind of skeptical on them now a little bit more. Or what's the proper word? Uh, Shifted. Yeah. Shifted. I'm more shifted by way of attire. I understand that some people are recognized by face easily. Like for me, I can tell Homicide from Chris Dickinson. I can tell Chris Dickinson from uh, Matt McCalsey. Easy. But uh, we can't help the actual decision making of Josh Barnett or anybody else at GCW. It's actually a show like any other. And to some degree or another, it is still kind of considered half pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. So with that said, it doesn't shock me that wrestlers are in their traditional gear. Like Chris Dickinson, he, he's been in his traditional gear the whole entire blood sport run. Well, I, I, well, actually, that's a great example, and we'll talk about the main event. I like that Moxley changed up his gear. He wore his... He he basically was wearing the shooter gear, you know, just the shorts, no knee pads. Uh, he was, he, you know, normally in AEW, he wears the camo, I guess, I guess is that camo-colored pants or whatever it is? But, yeah, and th- he changed up for this, so I like that it, it stood out. It, it was a, it, a clear contrast to when he rests, or what he wears in AEW. Uh, so, yeah, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like when a blood sports show is, got you got to kind of just stand out a little bit differently uh, from every, from the rest of the matches that are happening, or the rest of the, uh, just anything, because I just, I feel like blood sports is just in a different canon or universe. Uh, to uh, when it when when it comes down to what they are putting out there as a product, and we shall be discussing some attires. I just want I just want to quickly do say though I thought that Killer Kelly was actually I think she looked very good in this match though, um, and I think she understood what was necessary to bring to a Bloodsport match. Um, again, you know. Uh, if anybody's curious, uh, I rated this match one and, a, and three quarters. Like I said, I was not a fan of it. I don't, I don't think o- the match overall had a 
it felt more like a pro wrestling match without uh, ropes and uh, a much a different, so much more of a different contrast than the uh, than the uh, next match, uh, the next semifinal match. But uh, is there anything that you want to say about this match, uh, K versus Kelly? Um, Zach, anything positive or negative? Um, go ahead, four is yours. I loved it. I loved it for what it was worth. I'm not like highly critical. I would say, give me that over uh, what's been going on in WWE for the past near year. <laughs> so, Fine. So I'm not completely complaining. Yeah. And plus, I actually was talking to my surrogate dad about this. I said, you see these women that are fighting right now and the two that are on the way? They have fought. Not only have they fought men, but these m- matches are making me think of something maybe down the line that could be very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Allison K gets a win here. I was thinking that she was going to get it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, not like that for sure. Killer Kelly, there we go. Killer Kelly. Uh, she looked she can hold her own to some degrees or not. She really did. And I would say, give me Killer Kelly over some of these other girls in WWE who are just looking like la 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 la. <laughs> so, I would say that maybe out of the now what it seems four to Five actual women's matches in blood sports history, I would say that this was maybe the weakest. Hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, the next match, though, I really enjoyed a lot. And it was the uh, second uh, part of the uh, women's tournament finals, semifinals. Lindsay Snow defeating Layla Hirsch by submission with a heel hook. And... This is my this was my actually my second time seeing Layla Hirsch. Never saw her before. Uh, actually, I, no, I'm sorry. This is my second time I saw the match that, that she and Lindsay Snow had in uh, title match wrestling last year, and uh, I was impressed by Hirsch. I was curious to know what she would do in a blood sport shed, setting, and yeah, this was a great match. Lots of uh, there was suplexes, there was takedowns. Um, I like the contrast between the two styles with uh, Snow trying to get submissions and Hirsch uh, and using her size advantage as well while Snow is trying to use suplexes and uh, trying to use her amateur wrestling background. Um, and yeah, I thought this was a great match overall. Really, really um, stark contrast to the other match, women's match. What do you think of this match, Zach? I would say better than the previous. Mm-hmm. So, Lizzie Snow almost kind of scared the hell out of my surrogate dad because of how she looks. <laughs> like, legit. I think he put up with it because uh, it's somewhat like uh, Jeff Hardy style, if I actually had to paraphrase him. Mm-hmm. So, I was telling him. Well, she's the American kaiju. She, she's a monster. And he said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I said, that's wrong. That's wrong. 
thing with tattoos. She's very, very cute. Very, very cute. But Lindsay Snow lived up to her name. She was a monster, like, legit. If there was a woman in the actual GCW roster for Bloodsport that I think really shine the most. It's been Lindsay Snow because of how agile she is for her height and size. And I find it kind of uh, interesting and my surrogate dad and I, we really noticed this at the same time, that she and Allison Kay are roughly about the same height, almost the same amount of pounds. And we looked at each other like, Wow, that's pretty amazing for a size's perspective. But overall, I would say give that match the higher position. That was very worthy of where it was. Mm-hmm. Also, just got mentioned as well. I don't know when it happened in the match or how it happened, but uh, Lindsey Snow got a bloody nose. Um, oh, just, yeah, yeah. I gotta believe that came like as the match was getting ready to end, and my surrogate dad, he was saying, like, he thought it was part of her gimmick. <laughs> because she was wearing red paint, he didn't think it was a legit busted nose. I know a bloody nose when I see one, and that's not, uh, what's this crazy thing, face uh, paint, that is not face paint at all. Mm-hmm. The face paint was straight up the lines that held throughout the match. The actual blood came out of her nose. Like, legit. It was not what is referred to as in wrestling for ladies. This is her actually fighting another woman and then getting busted in the nose. So anybody that's very skeptic about this actual event overall, people get more hurt, I say, doing blood sport than doing traditional wrestling. Mm-hmm. But God bless them all because they actually have had some form of training that's not in the wrestling world. That's every single person that's ever come through blood sport. May they have been wrestling since the 1980s or they just picked it up now. Everybody has been chosen for a reason, and that's because they're the best in the proprietor's office. I, I wonder, though, I'm trying to recall, if this was the first match in Bloodsport history to actually have blood. I can't seem to recall any other match in Bloodsport history where there was actually blood from a competitor. This may have been a first May have been the this may have broken the uh, the blood and blood sport cherry. Mm. That made me think for a while. That was really enough. Like, okay, we got bloody nose. Has this ever happened before? I think maybe, maybe. But I haven't watched the other blood sports in like maybe months to years. So I would have to literally do a marathon 
and I actually promised my surrogate dad this. Uh, we would actually do a marathon of all the blood sports to date. Oh, nice. From through now. And when I watch, I'll keep an eye out. I will keep an eye out for sure. But for now, I think that this is, as you said, the uh, cherry getting popped for actual blood. Legit blood. And uh, in case if anybody's curious to know, I gave this match uh, three and a quarter stars. I really, you know, like I said, I think that Bloodsport matches are, are kind of great on a different curve, but in the context of Bloodsport, I thought, you know, great, great match. Lindsay's, Lindsay Snow, very underrated, and, this, and Layla Hirsch, again, my second time seeing her. Uh, and, um, yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully Layla Hirsch comes back. I think she'd be uh, a real asset to Bloodsport. Uh, what do you think? About that, uh, you think Hirsch should come back? Oh, yes. I can see her coming back. And plus, I think she's in that uh, wrestling video game I was talking to Christian about in the previous episode. I think her and, uh, what's this? Killer Kelly. They're in this video game that supposedly is going to be maybe coming out next year or the year after that. That's Mainly indie pro wrestling. Okay. Oh, cool. There, to my understanding, uh, there is no talent signed to WWE, New Japan, or AEW. Oh. From what it looked like to me, when they made the announcement, there was no real talent signed to Impact on it. None from New Japan. None from AEW or WWE. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Well, you know, you know, it's cool to get the get an indie type game out there, indie wrestling game out there. I hope it's I hope it turns out well. Um, you know, my, maybe you'll hopefully it'll be as good as Fire Pro uh, for the PS4. Oh, I've seen actual screenshots. Oh, Jesus, it looks realistic it is not these little uh, action figures <laughs> or legos that you think were from a game boy video game this is looking like legit human beings almost like wwe style for the last i would say two or three years where it's like oh my god i really am playing as this person it, does not feel false to me. Mm -hmm. Now, my question is, with that game, how much indie talent can they use? We shall see. Yeah, yeah, I, especially with the indie scene being the way it is, looks like for the few, you know, I mean, I guess at the time, you know, there was a lot more to pick and choose from, but, you know, ever since AEW came, the AEW uh, surfaced, you know, and WWE doing what, you know, signing everybody, you know, the talent pool is going to get drier and drier uh, for name talent for the video game if they if they plan on adding any more. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. WWE loves to whore themselves. That's the biggest thing that turned me off. Like, okay, you're whoring yourself just for the sake of staying number one. Ay, 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 ay. But... Some people love it, and anybody listening out there, I don't hate 
people that watch WWE. My second father, Raymond, he loves, loves, loves WWE to death. His number one favorite wrestler is Roman Reigns. God bless him. So, I do not knock anybody that watches it. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something. A dear friend of mine from the UK wants me on a show that he co-hosts with another friend. So, something from WWE will be discussed. So, yeah, I can talk WWE slang with anybody. Because somehow, some way, I actually do keep up with it, alright? And kind of out of my own curiosity, but you will not see me watching WWE yeah. ever. And a lot, same thing with a lot of other people, judging by their ratings. <laughs> yeah, because it tends to be trash. Yes. Like how you go doing a draft, ladies and gentlemen, and you actually switch tag team champions around, but you don't want to actually have them remaining on the actual shows that they were on. That boggles my mind. I said that this is like watching uh, Dragon Ball Super. Yeah. Where it made no sense of how these uh, powerful warriors achieve these transformations and then somebody comes along in pure form no transformations, and practically beat you down from the beginning to your highest power. I said, excuse me, this happened to be exactly a week ago I'm hearing about this. And I'm losing my mind over both. And I remember there was a time where Dragon Ball Super was way more popular than WWE. I actually was still going by uh, ZachShe130 on Twitter. So we are practically in Royal Rumble territory. Which means, ladies and gentlemen, if you've watched WWE for, I would say, the last six years before that, Brock Lesnar is back in town. So... At that point, Lesnar's feuding with uh, Kane and the now universally raped Braun Strowman. And I'm not saying that like he actually got raped, raped, ladies and gentlemen. WWE made his character the absolute turds by making him overpowerful. This is not big shows. If they wanted somebody to stand out. He could have done it on his own without the mega theatrics. So I was on Facebook when that moment where Brock Lesnar supposedly almost got killed by Braun Strowman bringing the house down. Kind of like Samson uh, from the Bible crushing all of his foes after finding out that he didn't really need his hair to do so. So, I'm just 
actually looking around the comment section of WWE's Facebook page. And the video for what I just finished describing happened. And the number one comment wasn't about the video. It was about how Dragon Ball Super, the night before or two, was way better. Like how they built up moments going on in that show over the supposed uh, semi-main event of the Royal Rumble 2018. And I'm laughing at this. Like how horrible both are now. Legit. This is why I stick with stuff like Bloodsport. It just gets me. It turns me on positively. I have never complained about a blood sport show. Ever. Because it's not dramatized. It's like an actual sport. It's more scientific wrestling with straight up knockouts or submissions. And I would highly recommend the whole entire series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well... Here's what I can tell you. This match coming up was not horrible. And that was Calvin Tankman defeating Alexander James by knockout with ground and pound. Both, make, both making their Bloodsport debuts. Calvin Tankman, who was part of the Collective Weekend, uh, part on a bunch of different shows uh, for the culture. I think one or two others yeah. he was on as well. Tankman immensely over as soon as he came out. The audience was behind Tankman. James is also you know so funny is that the la- only time I can remember ever saw someone being booed this bad um well, yeah well last last year when he made his date uh not his debut but uh when he when they did the show in uh Atlantic City uh uh with the uh Barnett Dixon Dickinson main event. Uh yeah when Gotch came out for his match of uh Corelli he was booed at, uh, like, it was like, we don't like you booze. And James kind of, and got the same treatment. Um, I guess there's a lot of WXW fans there. Uh, so, so James, you know, James is a heel in WXW. So maybe that has something to do with it. Or maybe just because the fact that Tankman was so over, it's kind of like, it's it, he was just you're gonna no matter who Tankman would have been up against or most people he would have been the heel by default, um, so uh, the opponent would have been heel by default. So, but yeah, this was a a great match between Tankman and James. I think they really nailed a, what a blood uh, a blood sports style match, uh, uh was a was the most blood sporty ish match I, I guess you could say. Lots of strikes. Uh, Tankman using his 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 size to overpower James. Uh, it was it was a, a, just a great match overall. And uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of this match, Zach? Ooh. When when Raymond and I were watching this, I geeked out more than him because of Tankman. If my memory serves me right. We've never had a black fighter legit on the whole entire Bloodsport series huh. until now. And it 
feels right given the state of the world. I wish that they've used other blacks before. But I don't know anybody in the African American or general black community who can actually do that MMA style fighting. So this guy, he comes out round for pound, looks like the heaviest person. And I said, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. This is a hoss fight. The first hoss fight on this show. And it did not fail. It actually delivered completely. And it made me a fan of Tankman. I did not know what to expect from him completely. But after watching this actual fight that he was in, the, the decision was right. Congratulations, Josh Barnett or whoever actually booked this. Uh, let's see. And his overall GCW run that I've actually seen so far, it's very, very strong. And by rights, his group, they're not bad either. So I would recommend that Josh Barnett would bring him back. Mm-hmm. He was open, like King was, legit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I just correct you. I had to. I had to look back. And be like, I can't believe he was the fir- the, the first black black uh, person of color on a uh, Bloodsport show. And there we did have uh, Jonathan Gresham on the first Josh Barnett Bloodsport show. Oh! During the coronavirus epidemic, let's actually be honest. Yes, yes, very true, very true. Uh, so, sorry, right, he's the second overall black fighter in the history of blood sport, but he's the first during this epidemic. Yes. So, well, also I think he made it in the first uh, black uh, black uh, uh, blood sport wrestler to act to win a match because uh, Gresham did not oh, win his match. Yeah. Yes. In uh, Jersey City, if my memory serves me correctly. Yes. So yeah, and so yeah, so he is the first to get the uh, first uh, black uh, wrestler on a buffboard show to get a win. So good on him. Got that right. And I believe that he's actually gonna be in that video game. I know that there are wrestlers that wrestled on that whole entire collective show who were even on this one, that are going to be in that game. And when that game comes out, I'm going to be using those mm-hmm. Uh Just so what, uh, if in case anybody's curious, I had this match four stars. Uh, really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, you know, uh, you know, for two people making their blood sport debuts, I think they really nailed it out of the park uh, with a really great, uh, a really great match. Uh, uh, you know, I thank Ben. Oh, I, you know, I would love to see him come back. Uh, I hope that Alexander James comes back as well. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, both uh, both great debuts. Both really made an impact. And you can definitely see why Tankman is kind of, I think it's fair to say he's probably going to be the next big indie star, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means that probably next year he'll be in WWE NXT. <laughs> yeah, 
weapon. Yes. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Uh, and the next match we had uh, was Eric Hammer, the returning Eric Hammer, defeating Grizzly Carl Jack by submission. Uh, the submission he used was a double wrist lock or a Kimura or, um, or Americana, I should say. And uh, Grizzly Carl Jack making his uh, Bloodsport debut, Eric Hammer. Uh, undefeated in Bloodsport now, 2-0, where he, uh, he had his first match last year against, uh, J.R. Kratos. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, this was, uh, uh for those of those know as well, Kyle Jack was also in NXT, he was known as Cal Bishop, but he, like, he, I don't think, I don't know if he had any matches, he may have had a few matches, then he injured his shoulder, and then they released him, uh, when he got injured. Um, but, uh, another great match. Again, uh, two guys who I think nailed that Bloodsport style. Uh, and it's, you know, uh, it, 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 two big guys, you know, uh, trying to trying to basically uh, uh, go after, you know, go for that, uh, that knock. I like that, uh, that Kyle Jack was using submissions and sup- uh, was trying to do some mix, uh, grappling and suplexes while Hammer was focusing on submissions. So I definitely I like the contrast the two were doing with their uh, respective styles. Uh, what do you think of this match, Zach? Ooh, uh, Josh Barnett's uh, training partner, his student. Oh man, Eric Hammond. He threw me off. He threw me off with that mustache. <laughs> oh yes, the mustache and the shaved head as well. well actually, no, I think he had a shaved head last time he did a uh, Bloodsport. I think, but the mustache he had the, it was like a Fu Manchu, I think, or a handle. No, yeah, it was like a Fu Manchu, I think. Either which way, I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, something's off with him. And then I remembered seeing him live last year. He was completely clean shaved. So when I saw that goatee, I said, oh, my God, that really threw me off. I thought he was somebody else. And then I take a look at his face completely and then remember what it looked like without the facial hair. I said, oh, yeah, that's Barnett's boy, definitely. <laughs> definitely. His name is Eric Hammer. I remember seeing him live. And he won last year, and he won this year. And I... Wasn't complaining. I said to some degree or another, yeah, I expected him to probably get a win here. Because not only is he being trained by Josh Barnett, but he seemed like one of the guys that this actual brand may be centered around for only God knows how long it's going to happen. So it seems that he would be one of the people to be built up the strongest. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, definitely. Um, and uh, it's so funny because, you know, previous to Bloodsport, the, uh, the first Bloodsport show that Hammer was at, he had only done pro wrestling in Japan. Retired, or I guess, I don't know if reti- officially retired, but kind of just stopped. Focused on, I guess, training MMA fighters uh, and running his gym. And now is made basically kind of as a blood sport uh mainstay uh kind of kind of uh it's kind of kind of funny how that works out you know just you know 
only two American pro wrestling matches he's had so far are Justin Bloodsport. No other indie shows at all. And part of me is thinking he's not going to actually be wrestling the traditional style of pro wrestling. He wants to be in that uh, Bloodsport world. Mm-hmm. Which I like. I like that choice if he does do that. Because, uh, like I said, I think that Bloodsport is unique. And so, I you know if you look at the, who, when they have wrestlers, it's a lot of wrestlers who you normally don't see making a lot of appearances or kind of wrestling or just, uh, it, it's it's different. I like that because then it'll feel special every time you wrestle. It's kind of, oh, Eric Hammer's wrestling? Oh yeah, by all means, I'll, I'll go to that book show. You know, I feel like that's the thing is that uh, if you wrestle too much, if, oh, I, I know that wrestlers want to get their paydays for like, for like a wrestling weekend or something, but you know, sometimes less is more. The less you wrestle, I think in the long term, that makes more people want to see you, provided if you're a good wrestler, which uh, Eric Hammer is. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I think they were even highlighting that some of these wrestlers have fought in like multi-matches. I think, uh, yeah, Calvin Tankman was one of those examples. Like, I believe he fought, uh, I think he fought Alex Shelley on uh, what I have to see is uh, Joey Janela's spring break. He fought at for the culture, and I think he's wrestled maybe one or two other shows. And yet, somehow, some way, he was fresh for this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What do you think of match at hand? Again, I think that was pretty good for what it was worth. What do you think of uh, Carl Jack in his first uh, uh, Bloodsport match? Held his own. Held his own. I would say that he could come back. Mm-hmm. I like how, you know, he also came out with the grizzly outfit that he wears on the indie scene. I don't think that was... A, I could have gone about that. I could have gone about that. Like I said, I think that Blood Force unique. You kind of have to put the pro wrestling gimmick things aside. I think he could have, uh, could have uh, left that at home. Um, in any case, if anybody, again, is curious about star ratings, I gave it three and three-quarter stars. And now the next match, next match, <laughs> next match was, a uh, was a doozy with filthy Tom Lawler of MLW defeating Homicide, who made his Bloodsport debut, and he defeated him by submission. And it was with a half-crab... Uh, that ended the match. And uh, this was probably, this was the most fun match on the entire show, in my personal opinion, uh, with Homicide. You know, uh, I like the fact during this match, so Filthy Tom Wars, you know, trying to be technical and all that stuff. Homicide's like not, he's, he's not doing any of that stuff at all. He's, he's giving him the fingers, spitting on him. Uh, he's slapping him. Uh, Waller, uh, every time he tries to go for, like, a submission or something, Waller easily gets out of it. Um, I also like that Homicide tried for the cop killer, uh, but unfortunately did not, uh, did not, uh, pan out. Um, uh, it's, uh, 
It was a and also homicide immensely over with the crowd. Filthy Tom Waller coming out in the uh, Daisy Dukes or the cut off jeans. I was actually um and so I mean yeah this was just like yeah I thought it was a uh, very uh, just you know was this a blood sport match? It was kind of like half blood sport, half uh pro wrestling. It's like they try to do a little bit of both. And I think I think it succeeded. I know our buddy Gentleman's Combat, not so much a fan of it, and I know a bunch of the other uh, shoot fighting purists weren't. I accepted it for what it was because I think it all worked, and it was it, it it worked. It was grounded enough that I was able to believe uh, that I was able to get into the match. So, what do you think of this match, Zach? talked about earlier how some people should show up for actual matches. Give respect to Homicide. Give respect to Homicide. He showed up for a fight. He did not come looking like he's gonna just straight up wrestle. So, to Homicide, yeah, he's always had my respects, but for the fact that he showed up, how he showed up, reminded me of my favorite CZW wrestler, Ruckus, in 2008, during the summers prior to then, and that exact year, he showed up in all black. Like, he wanted to just beat your ass, and he did with Filthy Tom, and remember when I said that I felt the match earlier was teasing something? I thought... To myself, and I was talking about this with uh, Raymond, who likes, no, he seems to love Homicide now. He seen, he's never seen Homicide wrestle before, but this fight got him on the uh, 187 bandwagon. And I said to Raymond, this is how his actual finisher is called. Cop killer. Or... He's in Impact. He's going for the Gringo Killer. And he had this stunned look on his face. Like, oh my god! Uh, The actual fight was everything that I looked for. I expected my old friend to hold his own with Filthy Tom. And Filthy Tom, it didn't surprise me that he not surprised. Some, not everybody's going to win their debut fights. Legit. I think Chris Dickinson didn't win his uh, first actual fight in Bloodsport. I think he lost. But then he would go on to be one of the no, the guy in that actual brand. And we'll talk about Dickinson later on because he was very, very good. Uh, I would say that it was worth where it was being positioned and both guys put out. If I had to give it a star rating, I would say okay. Yeah, well, from my star rating, I... I'm using the grapple app as I'm do looking up this up. I gave it four and a quarter. I you know I think the I it it had 
well, yeah, I know it's interesting you brought up, you know, that, you know, we, I think we all kind of knew that Tom Waller was going to win, but the way the match was structured, the way that it was um, uh, put on, you know, there was spots where you thought, oh, uh, Homicide's going to win, where he, where he could win. And that's, you know, that's what is the essence of, and that's a pro wrestling aspect I enjoyed for the match. It, 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 it had you thinking, oh no, Homicide is going to upset Tom Waller. Uh, and, you know, that's, if a pro wrestling match can do that, I think that's a way of, that's a way of it being successful. And I did think that they did the, uh, the contrasting of styles uh, between the two of them very, very well. Um, and, you know, you know, I guess, you know, we've had street fighters in, um, in Bloodsport before. We've had Nick Gage. Um, so, you know, that's the thing is that, you know, this, it's not new to Bloodsport, uh, to have somebody like Homicide, uh, in this. And I think it kind of does break it up a little bit with the, uh, if every match is, is just kind of, you know, MMA fighting type style, then, you know, every match is going to be the same, nothing's going to, it's going to, it's going to be boring, bland, but I think someone like a Homicide or Nick Gage, uh, who are great at what they do, by the way, that's the other thing as well, you know, just don't, you know, my personal opinion, don't put Jimmy Lloyd on a, on a blood sports show, I don't think he'll, I don't think that works, uh, but, that, you, know, you, you, when you have something like a Homicide or a Nick Gage, they know how to cater their style to whatever I guess the promotion and the audience is expecting. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think Homicide worked very well here. I would love to see Homicide come back. Uh, Don Wall will definitely be back, um, providing he doesn't get signed maybe to full-time New Japan or WWE. Uh, but yeah, what do you think about Homicide? Do you hope he comes back for a Buzzword show? Hey, maybe Homicide versus Nick Gage. was to happen, I wouldn't know who to root for because I love both guys legit. <laughs> and I've met them live. They both kick ass. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. I already talked about the actual match. What was the question again? I'm sorry. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The homis- bringing back Homicide for uh, yeah, yeah. If Homicide actually doesn't retire in the next, I say, two to five years, I say bring him back. He, he's actually fits that mold. He is one of the best street fighters in pro wrestling bar none. And my dad, surrogate dad, uh, Raymond, he was asking me about homicide. I said, well, you like that uh, Rey Mysterio style of wrestling that's like loop-de-loop and everything else. That chain wrestling, this guy comes from that same style of brain. He's from that Mucho Libre world. So Homicide hooking it up with anybody is like a, a commentary said on him in 2000, I believe, three. If you want to have him do high flying, you can do that. You want to have him do uh, submission fighting, you can do that. He's one of the most adaptive wrestlers, bar none. So, him being in love sport, give me more. Mm-hmm. Great, great. No, I agree. Hopefully, he could uh, he can come back uh, to the show. 
uh, to this um, promotion. Uh, One more thing before we move on. Hmm? I'm laughing at Lenny Leonard, and if he actually is listening to this, I'm still laughing at what he said. He was expecting how I decided to break out the ghetto pork. I said, this is not your traditional pro wrestling show, uh, Lenny Leonard. Homicide's got a little bit more respect than that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought Lenny Leonard did good. I really did. I know the GCW uh, commentators uh, in the past, specifically for Bloodsport, have not been good. Um, and I know that this year for WrestleMania weekend, they were going to bring in uh, the guy from ESPN and Ken Shamrock to be commentators. I forgot what the, uh, the guy from ESPN um, that they were going to bring. And, you know, uh, I would also expect, you know, maybe down the line that maybe they try to bring in something like, like a Chael Sonnen or something, maybe. But, you know, I think the problem, you know, that's the problem is that, you know, when you have the regular uh, commentators, uh, color guys uh, for GCW try to commentate Bloodsport, it uh, does not come out correctly. You need to find people. And, and Lenny Leonard, I think, did his research on a lot of this stuff. And, but, like, for the most part, uh, I remember who was the guy, I'm trying to remember the, the guy that they had in the last Bloodsport show who I thought was terrible. Um, I forgot what his name was, but he's a, he's a regular GCW guy. Um, oh, oh, MLJ! Oh, yes, MLJ, yeah. I did not think he was good at all. I thought he was terrible. Uh, and that's the problem, is that you need somebody who knows, like, background in kickboxing, martial arts, MMA... You kind of need somebody who knows something besides pro stuff besides pro wrestling, and it's a very I, I, there's not a lot of people not a lot of people in the pro wrestling world who have, I'm going to assume have that knowledge. So that's why you need some pretty unique announcers to uh, commentators to to be to basically give that information to the audience. I think Lenny Leonard did a good enough job. I wouldn't mind seeing him back, but. You know, MLJ did not. I don't think. I think he. I think last year he hindered the show. Uh, if you were watching on Fight TV. Oh man, Lenny Leonard. I loved him back in Ring of Honor. Ah, the good, old, the good old, the good old Gabe days in Ring of Honor. Oh man, Lenny Leonard. He was one of my favorite commentary guys, bar none. So for me. To hear him commentating this matches, I thought it was a pretty cool deal. I thought it really shocked me because he's more so known these days for being with uh, Evolve, but I don't know what happened with that. No, Evolve's gone. Oh, yeah, that reminded me. Oh, man. Um, yeah, that makes even sense. That's why I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go on to the next match, 
this was this was a basically a squash match. Uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. undefeated in Bloodsport, three and zero, defeated debuting Josh Alexander, the Walking Weapon Josh Alexander, by knockout with a Liger Bomb. And yeah, this match was only about maybe three minutes long. Uh, I, uh, it was not it did not last that, at all that long. Alexander barely got any offense in. Uh, I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this match? It was, it was, I think it was by far the shortest match on the Bloodsport uh, show. I think that has to be, if not the number one shortest match of all time in Bloodsport history, that's definitely got to be number two. Mm-hmm. Because Raymond and I, we were talking about David Boy Smith Jr. and his dad, and then all of a sudden, I think, he hits the power bomb in his own like ding 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 ding. I said, "Excuse me, excuse me, right now." That happened so quickly, so quickly. Not saying that the result was uh, not done right, but I was thinking like with a uh, Tankman versus a uh, Alexander James that. This was gonna be one of those hoss fights, mm-hmm. and when a hoss fight happens, ladies and gentlemen, a good lot of them tend to go long. I would thought it was almost gonna be exactly as long as the earlier hoss fight, but nope, power bomb and it was over. Dang. See, I wonder. I'm I'm trying to think if if the way that if he won it. Well, here's my, my theories behind why he may have won the fight so quickly. Either maybe Davy Boy Smith Jr. maybe was injured coming to this match, or maybe Josh Alexander was, or perhaps they they're gonna use this match as like maybe something for like a main event or maybe like a blood sport title match. I feel like if that makes sense. Because here's the thing, the uh, DB Smith Jr. is three and zero, and the and he won this so quickly. It's almost, it's almost. It, I'm I'm thinking this almost in pro wrestling booking terms. You know, whenever they you know, someone does like a big squash, whenever there's like a squash match, it's and with somebody and especially with uh, Smith being undefeated, almost feels like they're going that, that they want to build to something else, like a bigger match. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, remember this earlier this year they were supposed to do that uh, Gotch Robinson tournament. Um, yeah. Obviously, that didn't pan out thanks to COVID. But I think you know, 
I wonder if this is planting seeds for something like that, for a tournament, or something like that. It just, you know, I don't know, it just seems that way. I'm just, just, that's just like the air, the gut feeling I'm getting. I believe so. I believe so. If not an actual championship, then definitely a tournament will happen with the guys. Well, uh, so, oh, you're, uh, now, Josh Alexander, uh, I mean, I know that he didn't get to do a lot in this match. What would you, would you bring him back for another Bloodsport show? The walking weapon is a very good wrestler. I would bring him back. And I think that the match more so ended early because of him. He actually was semi-retired. And it kind of scares me when people come back and they were retired before. So they can re-aggravate nagging old injuries. Like, the styles of him, uh, Daniel Bryan, Edge, Steve Austin, and others. Even a deceased man who some people treat like the candy man. Don't say his name. They all had a form of neck injury. So when I saw him take that powerbomb from Davy Boy, I said, oh my God, please Please, please. Yeah, okay. And he was. But if uh, Alexander wants to come back for Bloodsport, I'd be for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, in the finals of the women's tournament match, uh, we had Lindsay Snow defeating Allison Kay, also giving Kay her first loss in Bloodsport by submission. Again, with a heel hook. So it was the night of heel hooks for Lindsay Snow. And <laughs> Lindsay Snow becomes the Bloodsport Women's Champion. I, uh, tournament Champion, I guess. They, uh, Josh Barnett brought out a trophy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like the I like the fact that there was a trophy given out uh, during the match. And I thought that Lindsay Snow looked great. Uh, again, uh, I think that Allison Kay, I think... I, I just don't think she she works the Bloodsport style, uh, at least in my eyes, in my opinion, uh, correctly. I think Lindsay Snow gets it, and I I, don't, I know it's going to sound harsh, but I really don't think Allison K is is it suited for Bloodsport. Lindsay Snow, by all means, I think she gets the style, and but I just yeah, unfortunately, I just don't think Allison K uh, fits fits in the Bloodsport mold. Uh, what do you think of this match, Zach? I would say the best females match on the overall card. The Lindsay Snow winning now brings her up to undefeated status. And going forward, I thought that was the smart decision. Because, like you said, it feels more so that Snow has that stronger vibe to her as far as actual MMA background is concerned. And when you're building a brand, you want to go with the strongest that there is. Not saying that Allison K should be slept on at all, because that girl, you were talking about how people should actually wear 
non-traditional pro wrestling gig. That girl showed up last year without her actual uh, legit gig. <laughs> she showed up like she was coming from the gym and she looked like she was about to go and slap the shit out of you if you actually was trying to steal from her. <laughs> and that's no lie. So Allison K can return to the blood sport next year and I wouldn't be surprised if she actually heard this and then she came ready for a fight. That's not just in her actual it. But overall match, I would say maybe was the best women's match in uh, Bloodsport history. Mm-hmm. Oh, just to give some 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 star ratings uh, for Smith Jr. and Alexander three and a quarter, and then uh, with the uh, finals of the women's tournament uh, three and a half. Um, again, you know, I, th- I thought it worked great. I, the other thing I wish they would have done as well, since it was a tournament within the same day, I would have liked, you know, see them, like, put on maybe some athletic tape or some, something, just to show, you know, that you had, you know, your, your fight, you're having a match again, you know, just show some sort of visual image of just, yeah, that, that you're not necessarily injured, but, but that you are, I guess... You're in pain of some kind. Um, that's just me, though. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like I like like little additions like that. Like you know, like through the G one tournament, you'll see the wrestlers start wearing uh, shoulder tape uh, or tape around their knees or stuff like that. I wish they would have done something like that for both ladies, um, both wrestlers. I mean, I guess you could kind of say you know you did see Lindsay Snow get her her nose busted open, so there's that kind of. Uh, or maybe you know just something, just something to show that you, that you are that that this is a very a highly physical tournament. Respects to both women, legit. Uh, and you know it, it'll be interesting to see what they do next with Lindsay Snow. Um, hopefully, hopefully she comes back. Uh, you know, hopefully for the next Bloodsport show they can do either maybe just like a tournament, like the entire show's a tournament, maybe like a women's tournament and the men's tournament. Uh, something like that with, you know, Lindsay Snow, I guess, kind of being de facto defender, uh, since she was in the first one. You know, something like that. I think that'd be cool. Would you like to see, like, a, uh, uh, an entire Bloodsport show just as a tournament? Oh, I love tournaments. Mm-hmm. I was on Twitter earlier today, and it sounds like they're doing a tag team tournament for the Beyond Wrestling promotion called TFT. I said to myself, maybe I'll buy it. Maybe I'll buy it. Because I am a sucker for tournaments. And when they are done, usually they tend to give the best stories and matches possible. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, with this whole entire show, I thought we were set up maybe for an actual tournament to come. Mm-hmm. And I even said to Raymond that we may actually have women fighting men eventually. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get women versus men. In Bloodsport? You think in Bloodsport we're going to get women versus men? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Gender pro wrestling, so why not? It's a gender 
Well, I don't know. If you ever hear Josh Barnett talk, you know, he sounds like a, I guess, a wrestling purist. I, I would guess he's not a fan. I'm just my interpretation of, of what he thinks. Of, I mean, this is a guy, don't forget, who he's he does not like Young Bucks. You, you know, remember, remember when he used to do the, um, what? When he used to do the uh, Access TV commentary for New Japan, he would always, always crap on the Young Bucks. And if, I remember. If he's, I remember. If he's critical of the Young Bucks, I can't see him being a fan of intergender wrestling at all, to tell you the truth. That's just my, that's my personal belief. You know, if I ever get a chance to interview him, I'll ask him, like, what his thoughts on intergender wrestling are. And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, I'll predict right now that it is, that he is not a fan of it and that it would, it would never appear in a Bloodsport show. interview i'll ask him but uh don't be surprised if he says i hate intergender wrestling or is, is very dismissive of it uh, in some way well if the people keep on pushing for it i would not be surprised if he actually gets into an arm bar and he says all right you've been warned this is not for everybody and i was telling this to raymond i said this is why wwe stinks mm-hmm and don't they be... are not actually letting these people go full-blown. Yes. And this is the closest to it. And uh, not to mention, WWE got rid of their own uh, shoot-fighting uh, division with that Raw Underground. They're well, not doing... Thank you. Thank you. I remember I, was, remember, I was telling Raymond this. I said, WWE, they like bringing up how uh, they're associated with the UFC by way of Brock Lesnar. Well, before Brock Lesnar ever showed up, they had legit UFC fighters and an actual legit UFC-style ring called the Lions Den. And that was Ken Shamrock's uh, little playpen. So that still boggles my mind that WWE had this UFC-esque uh division for a while in like 80, uh, 98, 99 and then all of a sudden the next time I years there's no real reference to the MMA style world until Brock Lesnar returned mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's uh yeah so uh you know kind of I never watched Raw Underground I saw a little I should say I saw a little bit of an eclipse it looked entirely ridiculous um, yeah, I don't think, it, it, it didn't seem like it was, uh, it was working at all. I never watched. <laughs> well, from what I got the vibe of, it seemed like something that probably, probably would have brought me in. 
Yeah. But then I heard the words Shane McMahon. I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with that, let's go on to the main event where we finally got John Moxley on a blood sports show. It feels like we've been trying. It's been for trying to get him forever for a blood sports show since he went to that show in uh, New Jersey. Uh, WrestleMania weekend when he was in the uh, upper balcony uh, watching it. And yeah, uh, first time they tried to get him, uh, I think they had, um, I think he had, uh, he got like staph infection and they had to cancel the match between him and uh, Barnett and they substituted him for um, just Chris Dickinson. Then they tried again this year during WrestleMania weekend and then COVID happened. And then I think maybe they tried, they were trying to do it again for this uh for this show, but then Barnett got the offer for yeah, he got offered the the, the bare knuckle KSW fights, and so this might be you know um I don't know if you pay attention to uh, MMA or UFC Zach, but there's a uh there's these two fighters Khabib Nurmagomedov and uh, Tony Ferguson uh, that right. UFC has been trying to get these two in a fight forever, and at different at different times like at one point it was gonna be uh, like lower on the card, uh, as Khabib and uh, Tony both got wins. It was like gonna be on the on the co-main. Then it became it was gonna become an interim title match. And there was always something that just prevented this fight. It was either someone getting injured or Khabib. Uh, he had um he's Muslim, so he had a uh, Ramadan fell on one of the uh um on one of the uh prospective fight dates. And then the pandemic this year prevented it because Khabib could not come uh, from Russia or from Dagestan uh, to uh, have the fight. So at this point, Moxley versus Barnett seems to be on that level where it seems like every time they try to book it, there's going to be something that totally just screws it up. Uh... Some act of God, something. And sad because I, I, I think, you know... In a, in a weird way, though, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen on on this. I feel like that's a a WrestleMania weekend match. I think I think that's that's a a match you gotta have. You know, when everybody's coming to town, it's WrestleMania weekend. You know, that the, the air of uh, of of just you know, it, it, it. I think that's a match you have to have during WrestleMania. It's like you have matches for the for the Tokyo Dome, and then you have matches for Power Struggle. There's just levels that you want to have a, that match at. And I think the the proper time to have it, if it ever happens, is during a, a WrestleMania weekend. Uh, I, I agree. I can see that. I thought the Killer Cross versus Nick Gage was going to be safe for that show. Yeah. I say Bloodsport 4 should have happened in April. This one should have been number five. Yeah. Should oh, have de- been number five. Oh, definitely. I think they were going to definitely, that WrestleMania weekend was good. They were going to definitely try to do more shows uh, this year compared to uh, uh, last year. I think as I kind of like a semi-regular promotion, not entirely like a monthly thing, but definitely something on the semi-regular uh, uh uh, to to put on these shows, um, oh, just uh, just to quickly go over the matches. Uh, for I forget, John Moxley defeated Chris Dickinson by submission with a bulldog choke. John Moxley is finally gets to have his match Bloodsport. 
1-0, Chris Dickinson, 1-3. Uh, great match, hard-hitting, brutal. Uh, it was competitive between both, and uh, it, it was, you know, considering the level that Moxley has been wrestling at this year, you know, you know he could have taken a day off for this match, especially because he was wrestling on AEW uh, the same same time, oh, same week, I should say. Uh, he's their champion. You know, he obviously doesn't want to get, you don't want to get injured. And then, you know, you you relinquish that title. Uh, so, but I give him a lot of credit. He came in and he put on a, a, a great match. Uh, he did not hold back his strikes. Uh, he, he looked game. He had fire. He had intensity. I like that he, yeah, that he, listen, if you paid to see John Moxley, and you got your money's worth. You didn't get any half-assed uh, shit from him. He came and he put on, he put on incredible work, and so did Dickinson also as well. What are your thoughts on this match, Zach? This match has been years in the making to me. Unbeknownst to me and how far I thought these two would go. I have seen them practically almost since the beginning of their career. Mox, for many people, including my dear friend Raymond, are familiar with him in WWE. They never knew him as Mox. Well, he really came. I was shocked somewhat by his attack. But it wasn't what shocked me. I'm hearing the commentary talk about like how he shifts from a sports entertainer to the real Mox. And the real Mox is in GCW fighting uh, Dickinson right there and then. So I'm laughing at this commentary. And I kind of had something trigger in me as Mox was coming out. Mox is wearing his New Japan uh, style gig. And when he usually wears that, that's where he loses his mind. This is him at his purest. At his most deadly. Not that uh, AEW thing that seems kind of like Dean Ambrose rehash for what it felt to me. Uh, generally, I'm in awe that Mox won to some degree or another. It was so hot and intense was that match. I was literally screaming to the screen, do the right thing, Mox. Lose! Lose!
Heavyweight and IWGP United States Champion would have gotten Chris Dickinson? That would have drove many eyes the next morning. The biggest headline out of Bloodsport. Chris Dickinson beats John Moxley. That would have cemented Dickinson to be the number one guy. Number one guy. Even more. But both guys did come with their absolute best. And I couldn't be any proud. Mm-hmm. It was kind of definitely like uh, the old school. Uh, well, because, you know, Moxley was kind of like a, uh, he was the mainstay on the in, of the Indies of the East Coast. Uh, CZW and Evolve and a number of other promotions. And, you know, when he signed WWE, um, I won't say that Chris Dickinson kind of took over, but he kind of did. You know, he kind of, he took over that, that spot that Moxley was well known for. You know, became a mainstay of CZW himself, and, and then evolved with the tag team he had of Jaka, and so I. It's kind. They were kind of, kind of had a. There, when when one guy left, the other guy took a spot. So I kind of like that. There was that little little bit of kind of like on a indirect history with each other, um, in a way. And that's crazy that Mox has been doing it. I would say a little bit. Longer than Dickinson, but mm-hmm. they almost came around the same amount of time. Legit. Like, their careers kind of parallel each other. Some degrees are not, except that for some odd reason, Chris Dickinson keeps getting lowballed by uh, Impact and WWE, respectively. Why? I don't know. And I think it's bullshit. He should be given a shot somewhere that's not triple triple R or GCW, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which which has held his biggest matches. Yeah, it's interesting that he really hasn't had. He's never been an impact before, right? He's never been an impact. He's, ne- he's never been on MLW. Uh, up until this point, not not AEW. I wonder, mm, you know, I always wonder, you know, when someone like a Chris Dickinson is not does not get like signed by a big company. I've always wondered, sometimes wonder, like, is there something that we don't know, or maybe is it his choice that he doesn't want to sign or something? You know, but it's always, but it's always interesting to kind of just. Uh, Speculate why someone like him, because you know, here, well, you know what the funny thing is. Remember, Thatcher at one point, uh, you know, it was never expected he would sign with anywhere because he had apparently he was like an accountant making six figures or something, and so that's why he was kind of like a weekend warrior with uh with his evolved bookings and all that stuff. But then WWE came along. And I don't know. They must have offered him something that made made him say, you know what, I'll give up my my job that I have not uh I haven't uh. Give it, uh, that, to give up this job that I've been doing for so long. So I just wonder why Chris Dickinson seems to have been kind of um, not the, 
not given the uh, the big push for, for any of the uh, major companies? I've been asking that question for the longest time, too. Like, what is going on here that he's not getting signed by WWE or Impact? It took him, I would say, 12 years to get to MSG by way of actually wrestling inside the garden. And he got there without WWE. He got there without New Japan, Ring of Honor, all the big pro wrestling names that have been in MSG. He got there by way of the debuting Triple R promotion. It was him and... uh, what is preferred to over the last year as a proud and powerful for anybody that hasn't watched wrestling uh, for AEW that is the former LAX from Impact of 2017 to 19 before that they were just New York's own uh, EYFBO so, to see Team Pazuzu make it to the Garden, and this is after WrestleMania, I nearly broke down and cried because I've seen practically these guys come from nothing. And to see where they are now, it's been quite a ride. And if I was to stop being a pro wrestling fan. It's not their fault. They kept my fandom going when I was hitting points where my fandom should have stopped. Bar none. Because I'm seeing certain bookings. I'm understanding certain stories. And it's just making me say, why do I keep up with this shit overall? Seriously. There is so much better written TV than this. I'm missing out on time with somebody that I was loving very much to just shit on wrestling. But thank God for the likes of Team Pazuzu coming along and bringing that realism. And they're also from New York, kids. They are legit from New York. And when you have that realness from New York, not just by way of an announcer trying to give you credit. Like, you're legit from New York. That's like hard grind right there. Hard grind. On the East Coast especially. Oh, God. Maybe, maybe, maybe... Hopefully, the end of 2020 is different, or even 2021 um, for Dickinson. It'd be great. Um, CM fight, uh, you know, well, on a bigger stage of some kind. Um, oh, just well, well, so, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, I know that you said that you would have uh, liked to have seen Moxley lose. You know, I think this match could have gone to a draw, and then it could lead to another match. Either bus oh, court. Oh, yeah, and then the winner gets to say that they were undefeated legit. Yeah. That would have been actually 
So it could have gone to like eight. I, I think also. Yeah, uh, he was he lost to Barnett. He lost to Barnett. Yeah, he lost to Barnett. I so did. He's lost pretty much almost every match that he had, except yeah, he's lost every. I do match. think though that you know, yeah, this except for one, except for one, and that was at the second blood sport. Yeah. I think he won for uh, Tracy Williams. Uh, was it Tracy Williams or Andy Williams? Andy, Andy. Ah. Oh. So. Andy. And uh, I think, yeah, you could have done a draw at this match and then maybe, uh, you know, do a second match down the line between Dickinson and Moxley on a bigger show. Maybe even do it for an AEW show. We've seen, you know, that AEW, you know, kind of work with indie people uh, and bring them onto a show. Maybe on AEW Dark or even on the, the main Dynamite show. Um, but, you know, regardless, you know, it was a, gr- it was a great match. And I, th- you know, I gave it four stars, and I think, uh, I think it shows that Moxley, I, Mo- I think, well, both guys know that bloodsport style; they do it very well. I hope they both come back. Same here, same here. Dickinson, I believe he's definitely that GCW brand. He is going nowhere unless. Impact or WWE somehow, some way, grow some balls and actually sign him. He's one of those guys that you could just straight up count on. And I'm not saying this because I've known him for some odd years and we've talked on and off. I'm saying this by way of his legit work ethic. Like, he is very cold and calculating when it comes to these matches that he's in. He really wants to put on the best effort he can give. And every single time that I've seen him, he's shelled out. So WWE and Pac give the man his respect. And if not, there's other places like GCW that will turn that little company into the a very big pond. Mm. So, well, more than uh, those other companies? I don't know, but he's going to make it mean something. Mm-hmm. And he has. And uh, so, yeah, that was the Bloodsport show. And also, you know, another positive thing about the show, only two hours. Only two hours. Oh, about a little over two hours. Um, that was the shortest one there ever was. Yeah, but you know that's a great thing is that these that these shows don't overstay well overstay their welcome, and oh yeah, Bloodsports had that for years now, like over the past two years they were just from the start match to the end there was no breaks. I remember actually being at two of them live. Oh yeah, well so overall Zach, uh, give us your your last minute thoughts on Bloodsports. Um, anything, also, if there's anything you want to say about Bloodsport in the future that you want to see from them, um, yeah, go ahead, uh, this is, this is your time to shine. Alright, so let's wrap this bad boy up, kids. If you want pro wrestling that's 
true potential that it is sorely missing in many people's eyes, maybe your own eyes. I would ask you to watch this whole entire series from 2018 through now. This is one that we have just reviewed. I would put it against anything that WWE has done yet this year. Even the women's matches, even the women's matches, they do not have any storylines. This is legit the best fighters in the MMA pro wrestling mixed world. Do not sleep on it. Please give it a try. Please give it a try. I know that I'm going to be marathoning these four shows. The actual Bloodsport brand has a bright future. As long as Barnett and GCW continue to partner with each other, unless somehow, some way, uh, Matt Riddle somehow gets out of WWE. Uh, I can see Barnett and GCW making this mean something. I remember last year being at an actual press conference for this thing. There was no press conferences before September 2019. It was just straight up fight. That's it. So... See, Andy, what I said earlier that you could actually switch any of these around based on opinion. I'm starting to remember the big time feel that a press conference gave Bloodsport to from Barnett. I'm remembering. It felt even bigger than the previous. So, it's like an evolution. And I expect to see the likes of a Chris Dickinson, uh, Lindsey Snow, uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. to lead the way. And if I had to give a prediction, I would say give it the next maybe one to five years that if Somehow, some way, it can get bigger. We would have an official heavyweight champion, maybe a uh, secondary champion, definitely women's champion. Plus, if I can give this vibe, we're going to eventually get more legit MMA fighters on these shows. And one of them, I believe, if you can truly get them, and we were going to get them, I think, on what was originally going to be Bloodsport 4 back in April. You get Ken Shamrock. I'm telling you. That is going to draw many 
heads to attend your show. Kenny Shamrock is one of the biggest UFC fighters of all time. One of the biggest martial artists by none. Getting something like him versus Minoru Suzuki. Let's just throw it out there. Take away the COVID. Lift the restrictions on travel. Get Ken Shamrock versus Minoru Suzuki. That's going to be semi-main event to true main event. And that will be one of the greatest matches in GCW's history. Bar none. And I'm not just talking about for the sake of blood sport. Because both guys, they look in great condition. When they wrestle, it doesn't make me feel cringe. Like a certain phenom from 
you can subscribe if you want. I'm hoping to do more face-to-face -face talks or get myself on camera when I'm not busy. If you want to talk to me outside of listening to my voice, well, there's social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter where I go by the name of capital B, capital L, capital K, which is pronounced Black Lion 130. If you don't want to talk to me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, I suggest you can email me at zacshi130 at gmail.com. I'm always looking to talk combat sports, uh, laws of attraction, or comics, and whatever else floats my mind with the likes of Andy or whomever would actually give me the time to do so. So, thank you for flying through my multidimensional realm and looking through my eyes. I truly appreciate every single one of you, and please take it easy. And uh, if you want to uh, listen to us and follow us, We Are Rising Podcast, we are available on Twitter at We Are Rising Pod. We're available on YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can follow my personal account at abenja1. You can follow my co-host, J. Christian Gary, at chrisgary92. And with that being said, again... Zach, thank you so much for taking time out to talk about Bloodsport. You know, whenever Bloodsport happens again, we definitely would love to have you back on. And, uh, yeah, we wish you the best of luck on your in your podcast endeavors and hope everything else in life goes beautifully for you. Thank you very much for having me, and it's been a pleasure. Please take care of yourselves as well.